Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm chatting with Wendy Wright, a money coach, author, business owner, and financial therapist known for her expertise in merging psychology and finance. This conversation was so fun for me because Wendy focuses her approach on the intersection between women's relationship with money and our relationship with food in our bodies. I have thought and talked a lot about this before, but Wendy really dives in deep and we have such an insightful and helpful conversation that I think anyone who struggles in either of these areas, which let's face it, is probably the majority of us, right? Anybody can benefit from this conversation. So I'm so excited to share this with you, but before we get into it, here's a little bit more about Wendy. As I mentioned, Wendy Wright is a money coach, author, business owner, and financial therapist known for her expertise in merging psychology and finance. Leveraging her diverse background as a former mortgage loan officer, business proprietor, and licensed marriage and family therapist, she pioneers transformative financial therapy and money consulting. As CEO of Financial Therapy Solutions, Wendy sheds light on the fusion of psychology and finance, guiding individuals toward financial clarity and empowerment. She is the author and creator behind the Transformative Money Mindset Shift, a program designed to foster healthier relationships with money. And in our conversation today, Wendy and I talk about the connection between women, money, and their bodies, or as Wendy calls it, the intersection of money and milkshakes. The process Wendy has created to healing a relationship with both food and our bodies and money, the importance of tracking your transactions with thoughts and feelings versus just numbers, awareness around where we're looking for safety and approval and justification in all of these areas, and so much more. You guys can find more from Wendy at her website, financialtherapysolutions.com. You can also check out her courses while you're there, the Money Mindset Shift course, the intersection between money and milkshakes, and she has a few others as well. She also does workshops uh, once a quarter, so get on her email list to know what great topics she has coming up and to learn more about what she has to offer. She's out there on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Financial Therapy Solutions as well. And if you guys want to hear more from me, go check out my my Mindful Money Mamas Facebook group where I'm providing lots of love and tips and tricks on how we can create a healthy relationship with money. All right. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredible Wendy Wright. Enjoy. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thanks, Megan. It's exciting to be here. Especially today after Halloween that we're saying it's not scary. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I actually did some um, social media posts. Uh-huh. On, oh, good. Money isn't scary to me, but <laughs> there's uh, plenty of other things that are scary to me. So uh-huh. yeah. so it's uh, it's very universal, I feel like. So thank you for being here. I would love to start uh-huh. by having you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I am um, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've been a therapist for over 20 years working in different fields, but currently I am a financial therapist. So that is, um, it's really new for people. Um, I'd say everybody that's listening, raise your hand. If you've never heard of financial therapy, don't really, if you're driving or, you know, be safe, but uh, I bet a lot of you would raise your hand. So it's really exciting to just tell people what it is and offer people pieces of it in podcasts like this. I'm also a trained money coach and I have a business background as a mortgage banker. And uh, before I became a therapist and a realtor and did flipping houses and did things like that. So have um, this comfort with numbers that a lot of therapists don't have. And I'm not trash talking them. They would tell you that. I think, you know, they're just like, oh, it's it's really scary to talk about numbers. So talking about in financial therapy, um, I work virtually globally um, and help people just begin to look at their money story, look at their mindsets and um, begin to figure out ways to change things that they're not happy with in their relationship with money. Awesome. Awesome. And what do you find? I, I guess. I guess what got you into that? What mm. made you want to go from kind of the marriage and family piece of it to focusing mm-hmm. on money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a fun, uh, interesting story. It's very uh, uh, serendipitous, I guess you'd say, like, um, because I stumbled into it. Essentially, I was working in eating disorders. I'm a certified eating disorder specialist and a certified intuitive eating um, counselor. Cool. Um and very influenced by intuitive eating like that. That's what uh, pulled me out of my own eating disorder and what I really um, kind of sprinkled into the money stuff. So, um, but when I was working at high levels of eating disorder, because everything was so um, extreme and the people were in the program all day long, or maybe they were, you know, they were 24 seven. I began to notice a shift in their behaviors, but they were using the same words that they used for the eating disorder behaviors, such as um, this is a way oversimplification, but you know, if they're like, I can't eat that because I'll look fat. And what happens if you're fat, I'll be abandoned. I won't be good. I won't be perfect, whatever. So when they have to eat, cause they're there, um, they, I noticed like literally tons of deliveries. Cause we just, we had this one delivery spot at the center. So I noticed this and I started talking to them about, um, what are you buying and noticing they're using the same language. Well, I wanted to get this shirt cause I thought it would help me not look fat. I thought it would help me be accepted. You know, it was kind of this interesting thing. So then I began talking more and, um, long story short, it bubbled into um, me really saying, um, looking around for any other resources on this intersection of money and emotions and um, psychology and found, um, and this was about a decade ago. And the Financial Therapy Association, I think is about 10 years old. Like it's um, relatively new in the, in the therapy approach world, but um that is how I began to really see it. And that kind of led to me writing the intersection of money and milkshakes, where I talk about some really sig- um, significant parallels in people's re- can be there with their relationship with food, um, food, body, and exercise is sort of like the things that show up with eating disorder, disordered eating and with money, then I'll, I'm talking about spending, earning, debting, giving, investing, like all of those kind of things that show up there. And, um, 
honestly, like one of the coolest parts about seeing that you shift behavior, um, it helps bust up the thing of like, I'm stupid, I'm broken and helps people see, oh, I'm using this as a coping skill. And then you can begin to make a shift once you get the separation and, and, um, don't think it's like basically in your DNA that you're stupid or something like that or whatever. Um, it can, you can start to make a shift and that's what healing is all about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this. This is Mm. something that is very near and dear to me, right? I I Mm -hmm. think you talk Mm -hmm. to an extent about the parallels between dieting and budgeting, right? And the Mm -hmm. restriction Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're either on or you're off. And and I talk about kind of finding that gray area between the absolutes, the black Mm -hmm. and the white, but let's dig in, let's dig in more around Uh those parallels. And, you know, Uh you have this, what you call the intersection of money and milkshakes, like, Mm -hmm. because I think that I agree with you that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And the way that you think about one thing is the way that you think about everything. You can't just kind of silo the way that your Mm -hmm. mindset works into one category or part of your life versus Mm -hmm. another. Um, And so for me, again, I, I agree. I think that we live in this culture where we're women are kind of oppressed when it comes to money. We're taught not to like it. We're taught to avoid it. We're taught to spend instead of save and whatever it is. We're taught, we're taught all these things out there about ourselves. We also receive cultural messages around our bodies and the way we should be eating Mm -hmm. and the way we should look and the amount of exercise we should be getting. Right. And so there's, there are so many parallels and connections there. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about the intersection of money and milkshakes. Um, I understand why kind of you felt the need Mm -hmm. for it, but let's dig into more of the kind of meat and potatoes of it and and Mm -hmm. how you teach people to move through both their relationship with their body and their, their food habits, as well as their money relationship mm-hmm. and spending habits. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'd love to, cause this is, it is such a cool topic and yeah. it's so um, it's just, honestly, it's so healing when people see that, Oh, like I just said, it's a coping skill. It's not right. me that I'm broken um, because both with food, body, and exercise and with money stuff, the belief that, um, that hardcore I'm hardwired, I'm broken, I'm bad, I'm stupid. Like when we get into a place like that, um, it is really hard to get out of it without first having awareness. So, um, I also have a course called money mindset shift and we start with awareness. That's like the first step in shifting your money mindset. Totally. And being Yeah. Being able to write it down, being able to name what's going on. And so when I was, um, uh, part of what I would do when I was working in eating disorders, cause I, I was, um, there's really, honestly, there's not a lot of family therapists that are trained to work in eating disorders. So I was doing a lot of presenting and training. And one of the things that I came, that I came to, because if you, um, if you don't have an eating disorder or you don't struggle with money, shame, you don't get it. You you look right. at somebody and you're like, why is that bothering you? That shouldn't bother you. You're fine. You know, kind of feeling. So I began to say, um, what if we re uh, let's look at this with a different frame. What if we look at this as a decision-making disorder? And that often helps people connect because everybody makes decisions, right? I think we make like 
30,000 a day. Like there's, so people really could connect to that. So then I created this decision-making matrix to help people see where they're coming from in their decision-making because every, everybody's a little different. Um, so as you begin to understand where you're coming from, and often it's either, um, highly rigid or highly chaotic. So if you look at your, your behaviors with food, body, and exercise, or your behaviors with money, you know, you might notice a lot of rigidity or maybe a lot of avoidance or a lot of, um, chaos, a lot of all or nothing, all or nothing. And then, then we approach it. So I've created 10 principles of financial therapy and the first one has to come first. And it is look at your money with abundant, compassionate curiosity and zero judgment. And that usually can really right the ship. Like it is so helpful to take the judgment out and we, and even not judging that all or nothing thinking, because what I really help people look at is when you have an all or nothing thought, you're, t- you're usually expressing a feeling in the form of a thought, right? Like, um, exactly. if you think money is my biggest stressor, well, that's a, that's kind of an all or nothing global thing. But what you're saying is I'm really stressed by decisions around money. I'm really stressed by, so we start taking the money word out of the sentence. Um, same with food, body, and exercise to get down to what's underneath. What is looking, yeah. this, looking at that as a symptom and coming to what's underneath. Another similarity between money and food, tell me if this connects for you, is um, they both have this quality that people who don't know you feel free to make a comment on um, what you spent for a pair of boots or what you put on your salad or, you know, like, it's just like they both have this different kind of permission setting of public discussion. So therefore, if you feel some shame or embarrassment, then you start, you're hiding or you're hypervigilant. Like I hope nobody asks me, or you start to maybe explain if someone says, Oh, where'd you get those boots? And you're like, Oh, I got them at um, Nordstrom rack. And they were marked down. And then I had a coupon and then justification. Yes. Yeah. You're trying to get the judgment out of the way because you're expecting it kind of feeling. And um, I did, I, I know that well. Yeah. 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 Does that connect? Absolutely. The justification mm-hmm. and same thing with food. I mean, you know, how mm-hmm. many do we say, oh, well, I'm having this grilled cheese tonight because I ha- I want the comfort. I had a bad day, right? Or I'm eating right. it's Halloween candy because I was right. so stressed today, right? But you don't have to justify it. You're only justifying right. it to yourself, which gets to the point that you just made around how this is a symptom. What is the behavior the reaction mm-hmm. to these different components, these pieces of our life is a symptom. What's actually going on underneath? Mm-hmm. And again, I feel yeah. like for women, we were brought up in a culture where we were taught that, you know, the, the we had to look a certain way. And mm-hmm. that is ultimately the underlying drive of it, I think. And then we can, we, we let that kind of drive the bus as far as mm-hmm. our mindset and therefore our behaviors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And going underneath that just a little bit, um, what you're, what you learn about yourself is how, how does your brain react to or connect with, um, concrete messages? Because let's see if I can give an example, like you're, you know, if someone says something about your body and you're in middle school, because our brain starts to make, um, sense of things differently in those middle school years, we move from concrete thinking to abstract thinking. But if you've heard, don't eat that you'll get fat or something like that a lot. And you have a rigid brain chemistry. You glom onto that as a rule. 
And if you don't, because you, you know, we typically you'll have siblings who interact with food or money very differently than you. So we, you also want to look at your brain chemistry because then that helps you understand why you glommed onto that. Like um, sometimes I'll work with someone um, with an eating disorder that then they also talk about the fact that they worried about the mortgage from the time they were like seven years old wow. because they heard mom and dad say, oh, I hope we can pay the mortgage. And um, when a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old starts worrying about the mortgage or rent or the car payment or something that tells me that they have some um, really rigid brain chemistry that we want to work with because they're worrying about something that is not in their purview. So they have no control over it. So they right. just worry and it creates this secret anxiety and the tendency of a parent, very normal parent responses. Oh, honey, don't worry about that. That's grown up stuff. But what that does to a, a, an anxious child who is already believing that the house is at risk or whatever, you know, kind of these things, then they start to just hide that, that um, anxiety because they're like, oh, if, um, if mom and dad telling me not to worry about it, that is probably a real problem. You know, yeah, so I'm not like supposed you have to, to understand that. Right. Yeah. The kids brain wanna, chemistry. They want to, they want to please their parents. They want to know what they're right. they be able to do what they're told. Cause in a way that's. Mm -hmm. That's gratifying too. Yeah. And if there's some perfectionism in the brain chemistry, yeah, it just works right into that. Yeah. So I'm going to be super vulnerable and share mm -hmm. you know, what's, what goes on in my world, right? I'm almost 40 years old and I have struggled with, you know, body image issues my entire life. Like I'm sure probably mm. Mm, 90% of women have, right? A lot. And yeah. I have been on this journey of kind of self-discovery and mm -hmm. um, learning more about myself and kind of moving away from the constant trying to diet and constant trying to, mm -hmm. um, you know, have shaped my body into looking to be a certain way. And now, mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm at a different life stage than I was 10 years ago. I've got two little kids. I've got way more stressors going on in my life. And so trying to approach this with a level of self-compassion, right? Like I, mm -hmm, I talk mm -hmm. to people all the time about doing with their money, but let's think about this for a minute, because I think it's like, you talked about the three different kind of pieces to this. There's, there's food, there's body, there's food, there's body, and there's exercise. And I mm -hmm. feel like the ultimate issue here, when you peel back the layers on like the forcing yourself to exercise or feeling like you need to have like a minimum amount of exercise every day or week or whatever it is, like that control mm -hmm. piece, as well as feeling bad about yourself because you ate the grilled cheese, because you ate the kids Halloween candy. All of that mm -hmm. is really just the the thought process you have around those two pieces is really based off of the dislike for your body, I think where it is today, correct? And then I think we're taking the the cultural messages to mean that there's some like level of perfection that we need to strive for. Does that mm -hmm. resonate or does that make mm -hmm. sense to you that I'm just thinking about how yeah. my, in my own head, how, how I have in the past and, you know, still struggle with, but uh, the mindset around all of these pieces. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because, um, it's almost haunting, um, Halloween pun intended, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's like, it's there and it's constantly saying to you and when, when, and then 
the uh, helpful thing is to apply that compassionate curiosity to what is it that having whatever, like that perfect body um, or that perfect body part, because usually the, the obsession becomes about a certain body part and the way it needs to look. And what is it about that, that it's going to bring you if it is perfect, you know, like how is that going to um, show up in your life? And um, the, the tricky part, I'm sure you probably seen this with money too, but it's this idea of that, that idea of I, if I just lost five pounds, everything would be okay. And then yeah. you lose five pounds and everything's not okay. And you're like five pounds more, everything will be okay. It's very similar to if I just made more money, everything well, would be absolutely, okay. Absolutely. They're rooted in the same, um, and this knowledge. Cause a lot of times my clients will say, you know, I feel like if I just made more money, everything would be okay. And, but I am making more money than I did last year and I feel more stressed, you know? So it's like, you have to kind of live through that to see, but what you're, what you're noticing underneath it is a real struggle with self-worth, with um, self-compassion, with, with being okay with yourself. Mm -hmm. I was going to say exactly that. I was going to say it's a worthiness Mm -hmm. issue, just like it is on the money side. It's exactly what it is. Like we Mm -hmm. feel so much shame around what we spend. We feel so much shame about what Mm -hmm. we earn, right? But deep down, it's a worthiness. Like we don't feel like we're worthy enough of having, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is in our life. And and that's keeping us small, just like Mm -hmm. feeling worthy enough, just the way we are in the body that we're in. Mm-hmm. Makes us, like it's for some reason it's like if we again lose that five or ten pounds then we'll be worthy mm-hmm. but what make right. what's where's the gap between where we are now and that you know someday when right yeah 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 and that's where that awareness comes in like when you can see that then you don't have to live it because when you see it you can look at it and get that distance from it and be like, oh, okay, I want to have this body or I want to have this money um, in order to be okay. So then you can detach from it and say, how can I be okay? How can I know I'm good enough already apart from, and then all of the food body exercise thoughts, all the sort of haunting, um, intrusive, repetitive money thoughts can be looked at differently. And that's one of the first stages of healing really, really important and really helpful because you're not embodying it anymore. You see it and then you're, you know, like, like we're talking about, and then you're able to see what's the deeper issue here. Yeah. And That's, there's probably some mm-hmm. trauma tied up on both ends, right? There's certain there can financial be, trauma yeah. and it, like, mm-hmm. I mean like little T trauma, right. That right, from right. whether it's, you know, being called mm-hmm. fat by a kid in third grade, mm-hmm. right. On the school mm-hmm. bus or something. And that sticks right. with you or, you know, something I just um, talked about on an episode of the, my podcast, you know, being told I was stupid when I was a little kid and that, oh, impacts, yeah. that yeah. Impacts I so, so appreciated much. you sharing that because I listened to that episode um, and that's a big deal. It's a really big deal with money too, because really big deal. Yeah. So many people think that they're stupid um, and bad with money and they, and that it's a belief that they're bad with money. And um, therefore that belief leads to certain behaviors. Cause if you're bad with money, why check your bank account? It's going to be bad news. Why? Why ask for more money? Why earn more money? Yep. You're just going to mess it up. Like, so it's really um, understanding that because that's another one of my principles is I really don't believe people are, there's not a bad good with money. So I'll have people come into that place and instead start with jur- the journal prompt of, 
I don't like that I do this with money or I like that, like if they, my, you know, if they're like, well, my sister's good with money and I'm bad with money, then I'm like, okay, well, let's break that down and say, what do you like about what you see your sister doing? Um, and, you know, just that kind of to open that up some. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, it's all about digging even further beneath the surface, again, peeling back mm-hmm. those layers and saying, okay, this mm-hmm. is, this, this is a belief that I have, but let's start to challenge that belief. Is that actual yeah. fact? Of course it's not. What are all the reasons right. why I am not stupid, right? What are all the reasons why I, I mm-hmm. can still live my life a happy person just because some kid in third grade told me that I was chubby or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think there is a lot there. So to the point that you just mentioned, you know, you said the first step here is, is, is self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we can start that healing journey. What does that healing yeah. journey look like? Um, as, mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as healing both your relationship with food and your relationship with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it starts with taking out the judgment. Um, yep. and that is really, really hard. And then, um, often when somebody is working on this and they're trying to take out the judgment, they will say judging things like, Oh, i use my credit card again. I shouldn't have done that. And then they'll, they'll go, Oh, wait, I judge. Sorry. I judge. First you judge, you judge that you judge that you judge, like, just look at the layers of that. Right. Be aware of the shoulds. I had a therapist that said the exact same thing. Stop, like stop and recognize when you say should, whether it's out loud or in your head, you'll be doing that. I shouldn't be whatever it is. Just be aware. Because looking at the word should as a doorway instead of a truth is really helpful because then you're able to go, oh, there it is again. Okay. I see it, you know, kind of thing. So getting that awareness, decreasing the judgment, slowing down the process. So um, another one of the tools that I'll use um, because we we really have to slow down the process and this is a really, 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 really fucking hard like this. It is so hard for people to slow down here because they don't want to look at it. So it's helpful to be, you know, tons of like layer on the compassion, do it for just like 10 minutes. But, um, I have them do, um, another principle is to track your transactions with thoughts and feelings. So like, and it can be like any transaction, even the ones you don't buy, like I put these boots in my cart, but I'm not going to buy them because whatever, Mm -hmm. and, um, what thoughts and feelings you're having, or I put gas in the car today and I, um, thought for, you know, for the next three hours, I beat myself up because it was 10 cents cheaper yesterday. And looking at what is the emotional energy spent on the decisions? What is the emotional energy spent on the um, things that you've done? Can you let go? Can you move forward? Things like that too. So slowing down the process, um, connecting with the thoughts and feelings. That can happen on the food side as well. Like what are those thoughts and feelings that come up when you Mm -hmm. eat? whatever it is for dinner. Right. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's something that I feel like we can just easily bypass because, you know, you- Oh, well, it's so hard because one of the first things you want to do when you're working in food recovery is neutralize food. Yeah. And so then if I say all food is neutral, the um, it's really helpful to notice the full body reaction of the person I'm talking to. And especially if it's a parent, 
um, who's trying to figure out who struggles themselves. And then they're trying to figure out what to feed their kids. And they see every meal they're preparing for their kids, almost like as a report card and they're failing, you know, it's like, imagine the stress, like, so just really noticing that. So that when we come in, they're like, that's not possible. You know, there has to be good food and bad food. Like, how can that possibly be like, you know, a, um, a candy bar and a carrot, how can they be equal? And so then what I'm, then I'll explain what I'm really talking about here is we want to neutralize the emotional intensity of food so that all foods are equal. And then you begin to listen to your body and your body will tell you, oh, that felt good when we had this to eat. And I felt crappy after we ate this. And that's the the intuitive part. It takes time to grow it, but it's really hard to let go of that judgment because you're used to that, um, that external affirmation from others or just the perceived external affirmation from others from, for your um, decision. Like um, again, a mom making lunches for the kids, like you want, you know, if you're thinking all day long, what is the teacher thinking about the lunch that I put in there? Like you're really looking for that external validation. And usually we make a lot of assumptions, right? I do that all the time. I literally think, okay, my, my Mm -hmm. five-year-old loves um, Cheetos. So I'll get Mm -hmm. the little bags of them because for snack and I'm like, what is his kindergarten teacher thinking about me Mm -hmm. eating my kid Cheetos and not, you know, then, cause then you see the Mm -hmm. other parents that have the little bento boxes with the cut up vegetables Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm like, nope, I'm giving my kid Cheetos. What are people thinking about me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And releasing that, releasing that perceived judgment is a big deal. It's scary though, because thinking about like looking at that with compassion and zero judgment, that part of us that is, um, that, you know, really, um, sensitive to what others are thinking or hypervigilant about it is trying to keep you safe and safety is a basic need. So we look at what is going on underneath that. Look at the, the, the call for safety here, the call for approval or whatever it may be that you're looking for and really work on building that part up so that you don't give the thoughts over to what is, what is the teacher thinking about what I put in their lunch? Like there's um, ways in which to look at that so that you are um, kind of bringing your thoughts into the mindfulness of where you want to want to, what you want to be thinking about. Yeah. And also on the spending side, I just think about that as well. Yes. You know, feeling the need to constantly justify what we're spending our money on. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do things like say, oh, well, I got it on sale. And then I had the coupon Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it was, it was on clearance. We're justifying Mm -hmm. because we, we don't, we don't feel comfortable with spending money on things. Mm -hmm. So, and we don't want other people to think certain ways about us, just like you're doing with sending Cheetos and our kids lunch. Right. It's in, and you just said it, right. You said the work that you were doing is on neutralizing the emotional intensity of food. Mm -hmm. You can also parallel that to money and say, mm-hmm. let's neutralize the emotional intensity of spending. I say that all spending yes. is emotional, right? No matter mm-hmm. what, it's not just retail therapy or, you know, whatever it is that women kind of mm-hmm. get a bad reputation for, but it's all spending all, mm-hmm. no matter what you get some kind of emotional reaction to it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's because money is emotional, what's coming in and the, the way it's coming in is emotional. What's going out and how it's being spent is emotional. So if yeah. we can sort of recognize that that's, that just is what it is. That is emotion. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with us because of mm-hmm. that. 
then I think that's the st- the first step in starting to know. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Just taking that, uh, decreasing the judgment and looking at it makes such a huge difference because, you know, there's just so much, um, yeah, there's so much emotion that goes into our spending decisions and our savings decisions. Oh yeah. Cause I find that the root of, um, at the, at the root of a lot of issues with money, if we look at someone's savings and often I'll say, what is your relationship to savings? And um, a lot of times clients will laugh and be like, oh, I don't have one. Ha ha. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you do. You just named it. You have like this belief you can't save. And as long as you have a belief you can't save, you don't save. And when you're able to shift that belief, your, sh- your savings account will change. And it's really fascinating to watch this happen over and over and over again. It's the same with shifting the belief that there's good food, bad food, and having people have um, all kinds of food in the house. And then they come in and they're like, yeah, I had this food and I didn't even finish it or I didn't um, because it, it's neutralized. It's so it really shifts that. It's yeah. not seen as this, you know, like special thing that mm-hmm. you can't ever have. And when you have it, yeah. you're bad, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking as you were talking, I have as the work that I, I do as a financial planner, I see mm-hmm. clients come all the time and say, you know, usually when they're a new client and they tell us about their kind of background and why they're here and talking, chatting with us and stuff. And they say mm-hmm. a lot of times like, yeah, I made this big mistake with my money or mm-hmm. I can't trust mm-hmm. my money. I can't, I can't be trusted to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to help me with it. And mm-hmm. that's very similar, right? Like I think mm-hmm. there is no black and white. Sure. Could you have, there is in my mind, I don't think there is mistakes per se, mm-hmm. but the, is mm-hmm. there better choices you could make with your money? Probably. And maybe yeah. we don't know. And that's not, this is why I hate rules of thumb because mm-hmm. I don't think that what works for one person works for another person. I think that mm-hmm. we tend to, um, we tend to like hang on to those rules of thumb as if they are mm-hmm. guidelines because so many of us are looking for guidelines like a diet, right? right? We're looking right. for something, some, something to follow because it makes us feel like we're in control when mm-hmm. I guess what our job, my, what I'm learning and my personal work is my job is mm-hmm. to get comfortable with, with, with that lack of control, to get comfortable with that gray and I wouldn't say lack of control, but knowing that I can't control it all and that life's going to mm-hmm. happen and I need to be able to make that more of my every day and be, be comfortable mm-hmm. with that discomfort, which has something I struggled yeah. with for so many years while I was kind of deep into the, my dieting mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And dieting has such a magical promise to it of, you know, this is going to fix everything. If you just, if you just stop eating this, your life will be better and you want to hear it. So you, you bring it in. You're like, okay. You know, it's, um, that's where, like, that's one of the similarities when we say budget is to money, what diet is to food. Like they both, like when you open up a new budgeting app and you fill in all the blanks and get all the colors and you're like, okay, that's done. But money work is never done. But if, if you think it is, you're you're looking for that quick fix because you're so distressed. And that is actually the time you don't want a quick fix because you want to heal that distress. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable happening. Mm -hmm. The quick fix is so much easier than looking at the, um, Mm -hmm. what's underneath than looking what's underneath is painful sometimes, oftentimes. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable and 
it takes time and it takes effort. And that is the work mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. And I, yes. we, but we're all looking for these and we'll pay for it too. We'll pay for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Weight Watchers oh, yeah. or the whatever oh, yeah. it is, because we just want something that's going to pull us out of how mm-hmm. we feel right now. Right. And yeah. that's exactly the same thing that I talk about with money. And I, I said, I started this podcast during the pandemic when I was home, I was working from home um, mm-hmm. full time. I had a three and a one-year-old, my husband lost his job and I was stressed out mm-hmm. like crazy. And mm-hmm. I was online shopping to mm-hmm. fill a void. And I didn't even really know mm-hmm. what that void was. So when I kind of, yeah. when I kind of stopped myself and I recognized that, wow, I'm spending a lot of money and I have a bunch of things in my closet with tags on them. Cause I have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized mm-hmm. like there's gotta be something else going on here. Mm-hmm. And I started oh, to good insight. down a little bit. And that's why I started the podcast because I knew if I was going mm-hmm. through this, other women were too in the same uh-huh. stage of life. Right. And yes. And if I can talk about it and be vulnerable that, and I can share my experiences, then at least other women won't feel so alone. They'll start to feel mm-hmm. a little more seen because it's not easy out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because you, your insight is spot on and it does really help to um, your vulnerability is really helpful because there's lots of people that are listening that feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there is hope for healing. It happens. It can happen. So whatever the, you know, whatever your relationship with money is um, there is complete hope for change. And, or, you know, food, body, eating, things like that. There's total hope for change. So um, hopefully people are hearing us say that loud and clear too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen such myself, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's a journey. And if you want to hop on it, then I'm right there with you. You're Mm -hmm. right there with you, right? Everybody's there Mm -hmm. to, you've got people there to support you along this journey and you have to be ready to do it. Mm-hmm. So I guess to that point, Wendy, what would be maybe some key takeaways around this, um, mm-hmm. this topic, the relationship between money and food, and mm-hmm. that maybe the listeners could start to implement now um, mm-hmm. in their relationship with both of these parts of their life? What is something that that mm-hmm. just from listening to this podcast that they could walk away with? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think um, first and foremost, um, really walking away with the fact that you're not broken. Mm. So it is possible to have change. You're not, um, and you're also not, um, a lot of times we'll believe we're uniquely flawed. Like, well, that's great for so-and-so, but that won't work for me, but it will, it can. And so looking at that, um, and then the second one would be applying that abundant, compassionate curiosity and zero judgment and taking that moment to um, observe your judgment sentences that are in your head instead of live them so that you can begin to get space from that. And and so that exercise of tracking your transactions with thoughts and feelings can also be applied to food, body or food or exercise, like tracking it with thoughts and feelings. And um, because it slows it down, if you, you know, we know if we write down something, we connect to it in a different place in our brain. So stopping and, and just like, write down three thoughts and three feelings, you know, keep it, keep it brief, um, but do it and um, do it for a week and then see what you notice. Um, Cause usually through an exercise like that, people will um, get 
um, right away, they'll get like um, insights into what's guiding some of their behavior and then they can start change. Yeah, I love it. That's something that I catch myself here and there doing, mm-hmm. right? Noticing mm-hmm. the thoughts, but sometimes when you're in it again, you know, and you've, you're mm-hmm. running around on, on the proverbial treadmill, as I say, it, um, yeah. it's, it can be so hard to do it. So I think for forcing yourself to actually track Mm-hmm. the thoughts and the feelings because guess what we're so used to tracking like the calories and the the carbs right. and that stuff right so yeah. let's try to replace that mental energy with something that's mm-hmm. actually gonna, gonna help us dig into it a little bit yeah. more. and then after that right once we start to notice those patterns then mm-hmm. we can start to I think help ourselves I think we can really mm-hmm. say okay are these what we is this how I want to feel and mm-hmm. that's sort of the the mindset piece, I think that comes from there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pausing to ask yourself, is that where, you know, if you think of, um, I only have so many energy coins or whatever metaphor kind of works for you, like think about, is that where I want to put them in that place? And so, um, yeah, beginning to look at that helps you begin to make shifts because also, um, well, I'll say this too, like, if, um, if you're listening to us talk and you try this and you go a week and you just can't write anything down, that's a sign to get some help. Like maybe get a therapist, doesn't have to be a financial therapist, or it can just be a therapist that helps you work through thoughts and feelings or get a friend or do something, but it's really helpful to try it. And then notice if you can't do it, that tells you something. It doesn't tell you that you're lazy or dumb or stupid or can't change. Just, just wanted to say that too. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's so important to approach Mm -hmm. this, approach this with, again, that level of self-compassion and knowing that Mm -hmm. the more we talk about it, the more we realize how not alone we are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we feel like we're in our own little islands over here thinking that Mm -hmm. we're lazy and we're stupid and we don't have willpower and all of the above, right? All those things that we we say to ourselves. But I think Mm -hmm. the more that we recognize that other people are also feeling these things mm-hmm. too. We oh, just don't sure. talk about them enough. So be brave enough yeah. to put yourself out there and ask for that support because I mm-hmm. bet you more people are feeling this than aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. Cause look at the stats on how many people say that they're stressed about money. Money's their biggest stress or like people are, are having intrusive, repetitive, obsessive thoughts about money about, um, their body, whatever, you know, kind of wherever this is, wherever this is sort of energetically held in their, in their system. Um, but it can change. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly it, which is why I kind of notice the patterns, notice the patterns now and what's changed in your life, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a different place now than I was 10 years ago. Like I said, before Mm -hmm. I had kids and, and, you know, life was a little more simple. Um, we were mm-hmm. also pre-pandemic. There's just so many things, so many things mm-hmm. have happened in all in that time. So it's like important to check in and not compare yourself to past versions of you as well. Right. Because yeah. that can be something that I think can really hold women especially back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not helpful, right? We're not going backwards, we're going forwards. That's the goal. Exactly. Yeah. And to have that image um, is a big deal, like to really think about that and to let go of what's happened in the past. And, you know, um, the the counter to perfectionism in my decision-making matrix is to move to um, energy of learning. 
and taking those things. And so being able to move toward learning from things that happened in the past and accepting that it wasn't going to be perfect is really powerful. It's acceptance. Exactly. You're mm-hmm. so spot mm-hmm. on. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your insights mm-hmm. on this. I just think this is, this yeah. is really, really cool. So before we wrap up, um, could you please tell mm-hmm. the listeners a little bit more about how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing and how they can get your, your course, I think. Mm-hmm. On intersection of Yeah. 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 Um, so I am, um, at financial therapy solutions.com and, um, once they get there, they'll see places where they can look at the money mindset shift course, the intersection of money and milkshakes. There's a shop page that has, um, also has another workbook, a, a quicker one, five days to financial clarity. So there's a lot of resources there because, um, just trying to give people different entry level points to this um, for finding healing here. And so we have those. And then, um, well, then about once a quarter, I'll do a workshop. So you can get on the email list just by signing up there as well and see what kind of workshops are coming up because, um, there's different little, like I just did one where I talked about these principles, um, actually a couple of them, the, the compassionate curiosity and zero judgment and the parallels between budget is to money and diet is to food. And so if anybody's interested in that, in that, email me directly and I'll send you a replay of that. So it's kind of um, a little more in depth of what we just talked about here. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Really, really cool. And um, are you mm-hmm. out there on social media as well? Yeah. Um, Instagram is uh, at Financial Therapy Solutions and um, Facebook, LinkedIn, like they're all out there too. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much, Wendy. This has been such yeah. an interesting inspiring conversation. So I oh, really I'm so really glad. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Let's have more because this is always fun to talk about. And yeah. the more we can give hope, the better. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you.